Welcome back to Simply Stated. We're once again joined by Tom Seams, CSPS's Senior Economist. Thanks so much for joining me, Tom. Yes, thank you, man. All right, so we are into November. We are closing in on the holiday shopping season, and we are looking at the uh, we are looking at the economic picture. So, in sixty seconds or less, what's the big story for November? Well, employment is up, inflation is rising, the economy slowed in the third quarter. So, I guess the question is, how will this bullwhip recovery pan out? The bullwhip recovery that we talked about last time. And I'm just kind of wondering if stagflation might be at the end of the whip. Um, you know, when we have supply chain disruptions, businesses have more uncertainty and they have a lot of difficulty in managing inventories. And so with that comes price volatility, more higher volatility in prices. And that can lead to mistakes when they're managing their cash flows and their business operations. So the end of the whip there could be an inventory recession you know, we're looking a couple of years down the road, but um, it's going to be important that they manage inventories properly. And I think right now with higher fuel and transportation costs, the inflation risks um, are rising even more. So we could get this stagflation story. Um, it's not just what businesses do, though. So policies that put more people back to work and um, and that can slow the stimulative impact of too much money chasing too few goods, that could help the uh, economy get on a more sustainable path as well. So you mentioned inflation and jobs. So let's let's tackle inflation real quick first. So it's been high, energy costs you mentioned. Tomorrow we're going to get our November inflation reading, and it seems like the Fed believes it's going to be okay based upon some of their decisions. What do you think we're going to see tomorrow? Yeah, well, I, I won't make a, uh, a prediction necessarily on a specific one number. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be important that we look at uh, kind of the longer run trends when we're looking at, at the data. Um, and, you know, year over year, though, we're way out of the norms. Right. We got about 5.4% um, annual inflation. And then uh, when you look at just core measures of inflation, um, it's about 4%. So that's much higher than what the Fed had uh, wanted or anticipated. And I've said before, I think the Fed's uh, kind of transitory inflation, um, uh, you know, examination of things or their their view of things is maybe a little too optimistic um, because I think some of this inflation is going to get embedded in higher wages and higher costs, and that's going to be hard to slow down um, with the employment situation where it is right now. Yeah, so you you mentioned you know five point four percent over the year for inflation, and then wages are up five point nine percent. So the kind of inflation is kind of eaten eating everybody's lunch here. So um, that brings us to the the jobs report. So, five hundred thirty one thousand jobs added, better than the month before. Unemployment four point six percent. In a lot of years in the U.S., that's a that's a pretty good number. Um, leisure and hospitality, professional business services, manufacturing, all winners. Um, what do you take out of the jobs report? 
So it, it was a good report. Um, and also, uh, the uh, previous two months' numbers were also revised up by, I think, around a total of 250,000 jobs. So, you know, the history <laughs> was even better than we thought it was previously. Uh, so all that is, is great. Um, but there are 10.9 million job openings um, that, that the JOLTS survey shows. So there's a lot of help wanted, um, uh, you know, signs that are up and so forth. So there's a there there's a lot of good news on the jobs, but the flip side of that I think is important to look at. And what I mean is, we're still 4.2 million workers below where we were pre-pandemic in February of 2020. And had the pandemic not happened, there's a lot of economists that say we're about nine million workers below where we would have been or where we should be. And we have to also remember that a lot of the jobs that are being added aren't really new. You know, we can't say that these are new jobs. They're simply old jobs being refilled or lost jobs that are being replaced. Um, I do think a good target is the prime age employment to population ratio. So you just look at the people that are, uh, I, I don't know if I get the numbers exact here, but about 25 to 54, I think, is prime age. And that's at 78.3%. And 80% is a good target. That's where we were prior to the pandemic. Um, we probably won't get there, though, for another year. And we probably won't fill up those 4.2 million lost jobs for another year as well. So all this math starts getting a little crazy for me, and it's hard for me to follow. So looking at the numbers at the, at the jobs report that we just got, 1.7 million or so unemployed finding jobs again away from being back to where we were in February 2020 for unemployment. But like you said, there's 4.2 million fewer jobs than in February 2020. So I tried right. to I try to figure this out here. There's another 1.3 million or so who are unable to look for a job due to the, due to the pandemic. And so they're not counted. But we're mm. still missing some 1 to 2 million people. Where'd they go? Yeah. Well, they... Uh, they They've retired early. They've taken themselves out of the labor force, ultimately. And that's another measure that the, that the Fed likes to look at is the labor force participation ratio. And that's also down from where it was previously. But they're concerned that that might not be the best measure to look at for employment because so many people have retired early or seemingly permanently taken themselves out of the labor force for whatever reason. Uh, it might be concerns about the virus that's out there, and they're not going to jump back in for a while. It could be um, vaccine mandates, and they're like, "Well, I'm just going to wait this out. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, um, you know, do the mandate, and so I'm going to wait until um, uh, things settle." So that's, I think, where a lot of these people are: is they've taken themselves off of the playing field and put themselves in the stands to watch. Got it. And so with all of that, you mentioned, you know, the Fed are looking at a specific types of numbers to try and make their decisions. We got another big decision from the Fed just recently. We have liftoff, kind of, yeah. right? So they're, 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 not, they're not selling bonds. They're not stopping buying bonds, but they're slowing down the rate of buying bonds, right? <laughs> right. Right. So it's a so-called tapering. Right. And uh, instead of adding, I think it was one hundred and twenty billion dollars a month 
to the economy by buying more bonds or going to buy less than that, say 100 billion or 90 billion or, or whatever. So it's still stimulative and it's still important to understand that um, they're still pumping money into the economy and that money has to go somewhere. And that's, you know, um, Milton Friedman was a, a, you know, a monetary economist and he once said that inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon, meaning that whenever you put more money in, you're going to have higher prices in the end because it's, again, too much money chasing too few goods. So some of that is there. Some of that might be froth in other markets, housing, stocks come to mind, you know, uh, things like that. Um, but we can we can get things going, I think, if we can get jobs going. Um, but I wouldn't expect them to grow at more than 500,000 a month. It's just it's hard to, uh, uh, you know, bring it back to where we were really quickly. So it, it takes time. So not really lift off and not really landed. We're just we're just digging our hole a little slower. <laughs> yeah, right. Got it. So. Are there any other economic indicators that we should be looking at? Maybe things the Fed isn't looking at or that are just interesting to you? Yeah, I, you know, I bring up a, a few, usually on this podcast, one of the things I, I look at a lot is this Institute for Supply Management. And they have a services index and they have a manufacturing index and anything above 50 is considered expansionary. Well, at manufacturing right now, it's at 608 and it's been up around 60 for several months, and the services index is at 66.7. So there's a lot of activity out there. Um, and again, the 10.9 million jobs, and then there, we have these high frequency indicators that I like to watch that are daily consumer confidence or um, restaurant reservations compared to 2019 or the TSA traveler throughput through the uh, through the nation's airports and all of those are up. And I think a lot of those are up um, because uh, I, I think I mentioned this last month as well, the Delta variants grip on the economy, I think is loosening. Cases are down, hospitalizations are down, deaths are all, all trending down. And I think that gives people more confidence moving forward. Um, but it's important to note that that consumer confidence number is still pretty low relative to where it probably should be. And I think probably what's holding it back now is not so much the virus concerns as it is concerns about potential higher inflation and the strength of the economy because of that third quarter number was only around uh, – uh, was 2%. And almost all of that was just adding to inventories. Yeah. So those elevator conversations, right? Um, weather, gas, and milk prices. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we're heading into the holiday se season. Uh, numbers start getting a little different. They could be a little wonky this year with supply chain issues. What numbers should regulators be watching as we go through November, December, and into the new year? Yeah, it's always a great question. Uh, right now, I'm still seeing just a lot of uncertainty um, and heightened risks. I think maybe things are getting better, but I think regulators need to be watchful um, for how institutions that they supervisors that they supervise are making decisions. You know, are they reaching for yield? Are they getting the right covenants in place? Are they um, um, valuing collateral correctly? Uh, and then things like how can 
labor shortages impact them or how could continued supply chain disruptions impact them? You know, I think it's just important to be vigilant and watchful um, and, 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 and try to minimize the risks as much as possible, right? To mitigate them where they can, but asking good questions is always a good, good practice, I think. Well, Tom, I always get a little smarter every time we talk, so I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, This was really helpful. Thanks so much. Well, thank you, Matt.